What's the biggest question mark facing the Oklahoma Sooners in 2023? You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. So, Josh, we talked through some of the key position battles on both the offensive and defensive sides of the football on our show yesterday, but I wanted to bring this question to you. What is the biggest question mark facing the Oklahoma Sooners heading into the 2023 season? It could be on the coaching side. It could be a player personnel side. It could be recruiting. Like what is the thing that you you're looking at this team and you think, man, I'm, I'm still not so sure about this. Will Oklahoma make a defensive jump from Brent Venables past we we saw that with Brent Venables where year one at Clemson and I don't have we've we've done this little case study before. I don't have the numbers in front of me at this particular moment, but year one at Clemson, it wasn't Oklahoma. It wasn't this this year one as the head coach at Oklahoma bad statistically, but it really wasn't all that great for Brent Venables and Clemson. I mean, it was very middling. Okay, year two, definite legitimate improvement toward the top 30 nationally and in many categories much higher than that and then that third year it was the the nation's best defense now not in every single category but kind of you look at everything together and it was the nation's best defense so is this Oklahoma team on that trajectory and are they on the path of defensive improvement that to me that's the big question that's that's the question in 2023. Has Oklahoma improved defensively? I get that that's very broad. It's not defensive tackle specific. It's not defensive end specific. It's not linebacker corner safety specific. But to me, that's that's going to be the most important thing for Oklahoma because if they have improved defensively, John, to where, again, I'm not saying – remember this time a year ago we were having conversations and it was – well, do you think they can be a top 25 defense? And I think even in the moment, I sort of pumped the brakes on that and said, do you guys realize like Oklahoma's not been good defensively for some time? Top 40 would be an improvement for this team. I'd like to see them top 25, but thinking that that's going to happen. And then obviously it fell much, much short, uh, much, much shorter than that. So defensive improvement, the track record's there that this, uh, this, regime this head coach as a defensive coordinator has a history of penchant for taking a defense that wasn't very good and by year two and year three all of a sudden it's one of the nation's finest that's what we need to find out is that going to happen for Oklahoma so then what is it going to take for this team to see that significant of a defensive improvement where maybe you're not the 80th or 90th worst defense in the country but you get to somewhere like 50 like, what's it going to take for them to get there, Josh? Transfer portal additions will have to be impact ads. I mean, I, I think it's it's a combination of everything. 
But uh, I, I think it, at least for right here, right now, it starts there for Oklahoma. Obviously, they need these 22 and 23 signees to be difference makers and for multiple of those guys to be stars. But Oklahoma also needs Jacob Lacey to be somebody that can, can you know, not necessarily be Perion Winfrey, right, but can be a serviceable addition alongside Isaiah Coe. Trace Ford or Rondell Bothroyd, one of those two guys, and Bothroyd has the the history as a TFL Sachs guy to, you know, it, it looks like statistically he could step in and be really, really good. He needs to be that for Oklahoma. McCullough, there's like this belief because of what he did his first season as a freshman at Indiana that, oh, man, did you see what he did at Indiana? This guy's coming to Oklahoma. He's going to be amazing. Okay, and I don't disagree, but that needs to happen. Oklahoma needs that. So just all of those things need to happen. And that's honestly, John, what we what I just discussed right there, that's tip of the iceberg. That's not even all of the parts of the puzzle that need to happen for Oklahoma had so many problems defensively that it it doesn't boil down to me to, okay be better at third down defense or if you're just a little bit better at defensive tackle. I mean, collectively across the board, there's so many parts of the defense and problems that they had from a season ago that it's it's got to be all of it, man. I think you're exactly right. There's there's a collective defensive improvement that has to happen. So if we're looking at this thing from a 2,200 or 1,000 foot view, whatever it is, what what will happen to this team that makes this defense not good? Like what? Fill in the blank. Basically, the Oklahoma Sooners 2023 defense wasn't good because of what? They didn't improve in money downs, right? They they weren't much better in third down conversion defense. That, of course, was a heel, has been a heel. And honestly, I mean, look, it's cliche. Probably most bad defenses are not going to be good in that category. But that would be – I would start there. Oklahoma hasn't improved in any significant way uh, in third down defense. So if that's if that's the case, then just from a statistical standpoint, you could look at that. But, you know, deeper than that, Danny Stutzman, right, is just kind of plateaued, doesn't. And, and I think he's got the chance to, to keep going, you know, like that and, and just keep getting better and better and better. But if that doesn't happen, that's, that's problematic. McCullough, again, I just keep coming back to him because it feels like I don't know if it's just the gravitational pull around fans' excitement with McCullough and the, you know, meeting the production that he did have as such a young player at a place like Indiana and then the idea of Venables and this defensive staff that once they get their hands on him, oh, my goodness, you know what he's going to be. But if he's not that guy for Oklahoma, that to me uh, is just not going to bode well because I, I just don't know that you're totally there yet from a depth standpoint. Like if that transfer portal addition that you think is a star that you've brought in, isn't a star probably Oklahoma defensively is not going to be who we want them to be next season. They might be improved, but elite, if McCullough is not elite, Oklahoma is probably not going to be elite. Yeah. I mean, the expectations are really, really high for him. I think I've got really high expectations for Bothroyd as well. Outside of the transfer guys, who's somebody that kind of has to take that step into stardom on the defensive side of the football? And even let's remove Danny Stutzman from the equation because I think it's pretty clear like he has to take another step forward uh, and become a, a significantly 
I, I wouldn't even say a significantly better player, but a a guy that emerges as a star. Who's somebody else that you think, okay, they've got to become a star for this Oklahoma Sooners defense to really improve? Again, remove all the transfer portal guys. Who's that guy that you're kind of identifying on that front? Man, that's a, it's it's an interesting question. Uh, I'm not totally selling stock in in Ethan Downs. I know some maybe at times were disappointed that there wasn't a little bit more production there. Uh, Reggie Grimes, I'm probably less excited about than I was this time a year ago. Uh, I am maybe a little bit down in terms of what I think uh, maybe Reggie Grimes can be at Oklahoma. Marcus Stripling, I still think <laughs> – I don't know if I'm just drunk on one Valero Alamo Bowl – but I really think that he could still be good at the University of Oklahoma and sort of, uh, you know, that that Eric Stryker-ish type pass rusher. If, if he's if he's just a pass rush specialist in spots, I still believe Strip can be that at Oklahoma. So I would say defensive line on the edge, both of those two guys for me. And then uh, beyond that, you know, I think we had the conversation the other day 22 signees and then I rattled off 23 you know 16 23 signees that could help Oklahoma is a big mistake but you know somebody like Robert Spears Jennings I think could take a a big time leap forward and ultimately John Oklahoma's got such a need all over the defensive backfield that I don't think anybody's job outside of Billy Bowman's job is safe in the defensive backfield so you could you could uh you could probably pick any just you know yank the bingo board out and probably any one of those numbers and letters could be right for Oklahoma in the defensive secondary just because they weren't good there a season ago to your point on Ethan Downs I, I do understand why people are a little bit down on him but I mean the production was pretty solid 13 and a half tackles for loss over the course of the season and it really to me it's the last six games of the season where he had you know six seven like nine tackles for loss and three sack or two sacks over the last six games. I mean, those sack numbers aren't great, but a part of a defense who really wasn't getting after the quarterback very well, but his tackles for loss production was pretty solid and something to build on, you know, again, a first year starter in a new system for him and for Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman and a bunch of guys going into year two in that system, having had, all the collegiate snaps that he got last year. I do think that there's a, there's reason for optimism that he could kind of take a step forward in his production, in his play, uh, all of that. Same goes for Stutzman, same goes for Bowman. I, I do think it's significant to remember that, Hey, these guys, that was their first year starting. They were just sophomores. You know, they've been around two years and they played a bunch as true freshmen, but they're just sophomores. Like there's still a lot of room to grow. Like they're, you know, 20 year old kids, uh, maybe 21 in some instances, but I mean, they're still really young and they still have opportunities to grow. So by no means is their story completely written. All right, coming up after the break, after we talk about FanDuel, we're going to kind of take a little bit of the brighter side of things, look a little bit glass half full and, and talk about the area of this team that we feel the most confident in. And I want to flip some of those questions back on you and get some of your responses while well, I'm curious how you would answer both concerns and, and the positive side as well. Speaking of positives, we're coming down the home stretch of the NBA season. This is where it gets fun, ladies and gentlemen. And oh, by the way, 
new customers, I've got you something sweet, a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. No sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores to threes drained. Kevin Durant. Uh, I know that's a dirty word sometimes in the state of Oklahoma, but uh, I'm kind of intrigued what what's going to happen down there with the Phoenix Suns. And obviously uh, they're just getting going with his his return. So maybe you're interested in, I don't know, placing a wager that Kevin Durant's not leading the Phoenix Suns to a world championship. Maybe maybe you're kind of like me and starting to get pretty intrigued at the idea that he, he just might. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. That's FanDuel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I just wanted to Glass half full. Okay, we'll, we'll hit some glass half full as well because everybody needs a little injection of positivity. But w- what is it for you? I don't know if, you know, hang up's not the right word, but if you had to pick a concern, what concerns you about Oklahoma or what's what's that big storyline of concern heading into 2023? I do think it is the defense, but more specifically the defensive backfield. You know, I, I like Billy Bowman. I like Woody Washington, but neither of those players has turned out to be like elite at their position yet. Um, there, there's been a lot of turnover on that on the safety and the cornerback depth chart over the last you know year, you know year and a month since Brent Venables has come to town. Turnover is a good thing sometimes. Change is a good thing sometimes. Yet we haven't seen that play out on the field. We haven't seen those guys emerge yet to be significant difference makers, whether it's, you know, uh, Jaden Rowe or Gentry Williams or Robert Spears Jennings, or um, there's one guy I'm always blanking on Jamarian Burt. Um, another guy there in the 2022 class, or you look at the 2023 class and they brought in like seven defensive backs, eight defensive backs, a ton of dudes. And I, I really like what they brought in over the last two recruiting cycles but now we have to see it play out on the field and we have to see those guys start to emerge and, and take starting jobs. We got to see a guy like Robert Spears Jennings become a significant role player. He may not start right away because you brought in Reggie Pearson to be your starting safety alongside Billy Bowman, but you got to see him like be a significant player in three safety looks. Uh, you know, you may not see Gentry Williams right away. They might still want to hang on to the idea that Jaden Davis is a starting cornerback. And I get that. The, it's a it's a coaching staff that likes to rely on veteran players uh, for better or worse. Um, but you want to start seeing a guy like Gentry Williams taking a lot of those snaps and at some point in the season becoming Oklahoma's full-time starter opposite of Woody Washington or taking Woody Washington's job. Uh, you want to see him taking a job and being a significant player on this team, on this defense. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with the defense in particular is in the secondary, you, you need playmakers in the secondary. You need some athleticism and you need a lot of speed. Uh, and you need somebody, some guys that play with an edge, you know, that aren't going to get bullied around by the Xavier Hutchinson's and the Quentin Johnson's of the world, or, you know, more specifically for 2023, the Xavier worthies of the world, somebody who's going to line up across from that guy and be unafraid to play against one of the best wide receivers in college football, uh, Isaiah Nair, he's going to be back for Texas. Like they're going to have a formidable pass, you know, group of receivers. You need 
guys that are going to be able to step up and be unafraid to challenge those guys. And that's really kind of what I'm looking for is like a, a Brent Venables type edge to the secondary. You know, we, I think we've seen it a little bit in the linebacker core. We've seen it a little bit in some of the defensive guys, uh, defensive line guys. I need to see that in the secondary because again, the big 12, it's a wide open league. It's, you're going to throw the football a ton. You need guys that are going to be able to challenge receivers at the catch point at the line of scrimmage and press man. And again, not be afraid and really look to go out and kind of dictate the game a little bit. And that's kind of what I'm looking for on the defensive side of the ball. Well, and I think that sort of answers what would be the follow-up question. If, if things don't turn around, if you don't see that defensive jump in year two, then, you know, Hey, why fill in the blank? Well, it's probably because the defensive backfield, at least in part, didn't didn't improve again, right? That some of these young guys uh, didn't take that step forward. But enough of that nonsense. Well, and, well, and I think I think that Reggie Pearson brings an edge that I think could really transform the mentality and the mindset of the secondary. But you got to have other guys that have the ability to play with that edge too. And I do think a guy like Robert Spears Jennings. I mean, I just go back to the Kansas game. You know, uh, Jason Bean. He's scrambling out to the left. He's he's probably heading out of bounds. But before he's able to get there, Robert Spears Jennings, he meets him and lays a significant hit on him. Like he makes sure to make to make his presence felt on that play. And so you, you want more guys like that that are going to play with that edge that are looking to hit some hit somebody um, out there when they get the opportunity. Not just kind of like, hey, he's going to go out of bounds. So I'm just going to let him. He's not out of bounds yet. So I'm going to hit him. You know, that it's kind of that same TCU mentality. The difference between TCU and Oklahoma this last year was TCU's defense played with an edge. They were physical. They were feisty. They played angry. They were mean. Oklahoma didn't have that. Like they did not want the smoke on defense last year. They need guys that want to get in people's faces from the snap to the whistle. And sometimes even after the whistle, you want somebody that's going to step up when your quarterback gets knocked out and look to lay somebody out like when that happens, you need somebody that needs to step up and be a an enforcer, to use a hockey term, um, on that front. So that's I do think Reggie Pearson brings that. Specifically, if Jaden Davis starts seventy five percent of the season or gets seventy five percent of the snaps at one of your quarterback spots, I don't feel great about what the defense looks like in twenty twenty three. I you know, and I stumbling all over myself here. I would love to disagree with you and have us both be wrong on that, but I kind of think that you're right. And honestly, I'm not that further away from that with Woody Washington either. So, and I know that some people are like, well, you got Woody Washington coming back and Woody Washington's done some nice things. Jaden Davis has done some nice things. But uh, again, when I say, I don't think anybody's safe in the secondary, really for the most part across the defense is because, I'm hoping that either those guys get significantly better and more consistent or somebody else comes up and says, I'm going to, I'm going to take this job. Okay. Positives. Let's, let's play some glass half full before we bid you adieu in this uh, edition of locked on Sooners. What, what are you most positive about with this Oklahoma team? What, where are they best at? Well, what is uh, the biggest positive for Oklahoma? I think that you have your quarterback back. You know, given all of the offensive, you know, turnover that you're facing, the loss of Marvin Mims, the loss of Braden Willis, Anton Harrison, uh, Chris Murray, Wanye Morris, Eric Gray, that's that's a ton of losses that you're suffering on the offensive side of the ball. 
having quarterback continuity can make up for a lot of that. Will it make up for all of it? No, you got to have guys step up across the board, but having your leader, your most important player back in your quarterback, that that's a huge, huge deal because it gives you the opportunity when the coaches can't have practice and they can't meet with these guys and they're not having meetings and doing film sessions and things like that. This get, you have a guy who's very versed in the offense that can work with Jalil Farouk extra in the offseason. He can work with, you know, this big group of guys that we believe are, are going to contend for that wide receiver two spot. He can help get the young guys, you know, moving along. He can work with Walter Rouse and, you know, Caleb Schaefer helping them get their cues. Same with, you know, having a guy, having your center back, having Andrew rain back. I think that makes a big difference that when you do have, you know, turnover and, and continuity issues, you've got your, your quarterback of the offensive line and your quarterback back. That makes a huge, huge difference. And so I, I'm very confident in the direction of the offense, despite all the turnover, because I do believe Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback. Has he proven to be elite Heisman trophy caliber? No, but he's good. And there were a lot of games where he was good enough and Oklahoma lost the one game where he wasn't good enough. I mean, you could point to the TCU game where he only played like what a quarter and a half. Um, but really like every other game he was good enough to win. The defense just didn't help him out except for the West Virginia game. He wasn't good in that game. They lost, but for the most part, he was really, really good in 2023. So I'm, I'm really confident about the direction of the offense because I'm really confident that Dylan Gabriel is going to have another really good year. And that offense is going to be putting up 30, 35 points a game this year. You and I might want to go run for cover from a very, I think, loud minority of Oklahoma fans, because I totally agree. I don't know how you could really answer, like honestly answer any other position for Oklahoma going into next season. I'm excited about what Oklahoma has with its edge rushers, but I'm pretty unsure. I'm I'm hopeful that Isaiah Coe and a combination of some of these other guys getting older and uh, Lacey getting into the mix, that that can be good enough to win you a Big 12 championship at defensive tackle. Uh, obviously, McCullough, I mean, it's easy. Linebacker in general, I, I do think linebacker has a chance for us to to – eat some crow on this before it's all said and done, just because I love, I love what you start out with, with Danny Stutzman, McCullough. I do think, look, I'm going to, you know, hit the break just a little, just tap on it a little bit, but I think McCullough is going to wind up being a star at OU. I feel pretty confident about that. And I think Gannick has a great chance to be that guy too, but I got to see a little bit more before I'm super, super completely sold on it. I'm not ready to totally take that leap of faith just yet, though. If, if it's not quarterback and it's not Dylan Gabriel, that would be the position group I'm most excited and, and I think hopeful about for Oklahoma. But, man, it's got to be the guy that threw 25 touchdowns, only was intercepted six times, and brings back the most passing production out of any quarterback to the Big 12 Conference. So, yes, let's run for cover. Let's head for the hills. I know there's some Oklahoma fans that say, Dylan Gabriel, what are you talking about? This, this guy's not the guy to lead Oklahoma to the promised land. 
I'm not saying he's winning you a national championship, but I certainly think that Oklahoma is capable of winning a Big 12 championship like they've done in the past on many different occasions and getting to the college football playoff with Dylan Gabriel, Gabriel at quarterback. And I think, obviously, he's, the to me, the biggest, uh, the biggest bright spot, the, the biggest piece of comfort heading into this season. Yeah, and if Oklahoma Sooners fans disagree with that, I mean, I'd love to hear what their thoughts are, the, the area that they feel the most confident in. Uh, about this team going into next season. I'm sure there are areas that, that you can make a case for hundred percent, but definitely drop it in the comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that kind of turning the page a little bit, or, you know, looking ahead to 2024, the Oklahoma Sooners got another crystal ball prediction for 2024, four-star wide receiver prospect, Bryant Wesco um, out of, Oh man, I blanked on where he's from now. Midlothian, Texas. Uh, Josh, he's the number 85 player in the class of 2024, the number 13 wide receiver and the number 16 player in the state of Texas. We've talked about him several times, but now, so you've seen Parker Thune, now Brandon Drum of OU Insider at 247 Sports issue crystal ball predictions to go along with Josh McQuistian of Sooner Scoop at Rivals. Looks like the writing is significantly on the wall for the Sooners to land. Wesco, he is, uh, what is he? 6'2", 180, kind of fits that frame that we're, we've think, we're, we've thought that Jeff Levy is really uh, really wanting to add to Oklahoma's wide receiver core in that size. So, um, man, I, I think it's promising. You add a, a guy who's a top 20 player in the state of Texas, top 15 at his position, and top 100 in the nation. That's, that's some good stuff right there. It would be great news, and – Generally speaking, yes, he does fit the uh, blue chip, six foot two, Jeff Levy prototype wide receiver. But you know what? It's Emmett Jones who is the primary recruiter here. And again, those those Texas ties already very quickly going to work for Oklahoma. When you've got that many guys that are on the recruiting front for OU that are in the no John that are tossing futures cast and crystal balls. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident that uh, probably before too long, Wesco probably going to commit to Oklahoma. I don't know if he's going to be the first commit in this class for the uh, the Sooners in 24, but man, it would be uh, it would be a great get. You do want to just keep I, you know, I think I've said a bazillion times here. Generally speaking, skill talents probably what I'm least concerned about Oklahoma adding in a recruiting class. Even all the great quarterbacks you've gotten recently. Like, okay, the five-star quarterback, you can always sell me on the importance of the five-star quarterback. And probably, you know, a five-star wide receiver here or there. But generally speaking, I don't want to say that I'm not excited for Wesco because, I mean, it would be a massive addition. But it, it almost feels like a foregone conclusion that that, that kind of guy, I'm, I'm not worried about Oklahoma landing that kind of player. But it would be, of course, great to add Wesco to this class if and when they do so. Yeah, I, I'm. I might get dragged uh, for this take. Reminds me a little bit of CD Lamb. Um, I don't want to put those expectations on the dude, but you watch him, and he's got a lot of that same kind of start-stop ability. That little bit same lankiness to him. Someone who can win, you know, high point in the ball. He's good on fade routes. He's good after the catch. Just he looks a lot like CD Lamb to me, and. 
I love I'm I'm as big a CD Lamb fan as you'll find. I only own three Dallas Cowboys jerseys in my whole life. Darren Woodson, Tony Romo, CD Lamb. That he looks a lot like CD Lamb to me. That's that if I'm gonna make a comp for a high school kid, that's probably the kind of player that you're looking at for Bryant Wesco. I'm not saying he's gonna be CD Lamb. I'm not saying he's gonna be this dude who's a first round NFL draft pick, although that's what the projections would tell you if you're a four-star player, that is kind of what you should be. But he just has that same feel, just easily, you know, just the way he catches the football, it just does it with ease. The way he can start, stop, make people miss, even at his size, is impressive. And yeah, I just I like what I see from the kids. So that it's going to be an interesting recruiting uh, battle to watch. I mean, nothing's over till it's over, but you know you feel really good about where they stand um, at this point in, in uh, the recruitment. Uh, you know, Arkansas is in on it. Baylor, Boston College, Colorado. Uh, you know, Colorado is going to be the wild card um, for a lot of these prospects. But it seems like things are trending. Um, in a very favorable light for the Sooners. And I mean, this weekend they're having their, their first kind of big recruiting weekend of the month of March. There's going to be several, but we're going to start seeing more and more buzz coming out about prospects uh, as the weekend transpires. And then probably Monday, Tuesday, we'll, we'll start seeing these recruiting analysts um, get a better feel for where some of these prospects might be leaning uh, for the 2024 class. 58 grams, 1,160 yards, 17 touchdowns last season for CeeDee Lamb. I mean, Bryant Wesco down at uh, Midlothian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that sounds very much like a CeeDee Lamb type season. You don't need, you know, 80 balls to get, to have an 1,100-yard season, right? You know, what did CeeDee Lamb do in 2019? It was like, uh, man, I'm going to have to look at it real quick, but it was something like he only had like 40 catches and had a 1,000-yard you know, receiving season because they didn't throw the ball very much that year. Um, what was it real quick? It was, sorry, he had 62 receptions for 1,327 yards, uh, 14 touchdowns, averaged 21.4 yards per reception that 2019, his junior season before going pro. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, again, Bryant, not trying to put the CD lamb expectations on you, but I can see it. I can see it. And I got news for you. Look, if he's CD lamb, then absolutely. Uh, I retract anything I said about, oh, Oklahoma's going to get skill guys and it don't matter. <laughs> if he's CD Lamb, <laughs> let me tell you something. It matters that he winds up in Norman, Oklahoma. They they obviously could use uh, – they, they they need and, – and, you know, time will tell if they have that CD Lamb type on this roster at Oklahoma, but – and maybe this is a deeper discussion for another day. Can you, can you win a national championship without that? type of uh wide receiver oklahoma needs to go find him and maybe west goes maybe west goes that next guy of that variety of that ilk since we're on the cd lamb discussion uh you know his high school you know recruiting profile at 247 sports had him at six two and a half 172 so about the same size uh but lamb was you know ranked number 148 in the 247 sports composite Back in the 2017 class, the number 24 wide receiver, the number 22 uh, player in Texas. So um, Wesco ranked quite a bit higher, you know, both on the national level at the wide receiver position and in the state of Texas. I mean, kind of all right there. Um, interesting. So we'll see how that one goes again. Uh, if if we have to come back here in a few years and, and rake me over the coals because he wasn't, we can certainly do that. But. I just, I see what I see. I see what I see. 
Again, not saying he's going to be CD Lamb, but just looks like that type of a player to me. Uh, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in, being part of the show. Uh, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe to the show over on YouTube and hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can follow me at John Nine Williams, and the show is at Locked On Sooners. Uh, again, follow us on Facebook as well, Locked On Sooners Podcast. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then, Boomer Sooner.